Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. All right, here's a joke for you. Uh, did you hear about the waiter who got vinegar in his ear? No. He now suffers from pickled hearing. I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And from APM American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. You just got a joke from Tim Walker, organizer of the Grilled Cheese Invitational Competition coming up in Los Angeles this Saturday. That is a food-related joke because this is a food-related week. That's right. So we have an all-food show for you. You'll hear about mashed potato cookies, sushi ritos, and really baked goods. Sorry, no peeps. So yeah, this week, folks, feasted for Passover. Easter feast is coming up. So we've put together some of our favorite food segments. Resurrect them for Easter. So to speak. <laughs> yeah, we were going to paint them pastel colors, hide them in your yard. But, you know, since most of you don't have yards, we thought we'd just put them in the show here. Yeah, like a Seder plate of full of tasty sounds. Mm. Uh, for our first menu item, we went to London, England to visit the Imperial War Museum's cafe, which last year started serving food based on recipes from World War II era Britain. Because mm, nothing says delicious like World War II <laughs> era Britain. Yes. <laughs> It was not an easy time to be a chef, as I found out from the project's general manager, Katie Fluster. Butter was rationed and fats. So there goes all good food right there. How do you cook? People would use other items such as margarine, mix margarine with sugar, and that would create a cream-like mixture that they would use on cakes. So you're serving this food that is based on whatever was available at the time. Is it actually tasty? It is very tasty. Some of the recipes we've had to not go ahead with um, and thought, no, we can't serve that. <laughs> like what? Um, wheat was in short supply. And for biscuits, for example, people would have substituted wheat with mashed potato. And we did actually make some potato biscuits. <laughs> now, you mean biscuits in the British sense, what Americans call cookies. You're telling me mashed potato cookies weren't so great? Not quite the same. <laughs> the lack of sweetness, because obviously sugar was rationed as well, didn't quite make them palatable enough. So are you using anything with sugar? I mean, is there any? did you take any liberties with these recipes? We've had to take some liberties, yes. Um, and we are using some sugar. People would have had a couple of ounces per adult per week. War is hell. <laughs> All right, we are standing in the actual cafe called The Kitchen Front, and uh, I'm going to try some of this stuff. What are we looking at? A corned beef sandwich, which is made with piccalilli. What is piccalilli? Cauliflower, tomatoes, onions, pickled with a mustard. Oh, actually, that mm. sounds kind of awesome. You should bottle that. <laughs> People did. Pickled vegetables, pickled eggs would have been a way of making what you had last. And it's served on a bread called a national loaf, which I can tell you doesn't sound immediately appealing to me. No, the national loaf was a bread using the whole grain flour, sending a message of not wasting. So all of the bread after about 1943 would have been brown. You wouldn't have seen white bread, but it is very tasty. Mmm. I actually really like it. And yet it doesn't make me long for war or anything. So it's good, but it's not that good. Okay, so Rico, we now turn from food born of austerity yes. to food born of decadence. Namely, the Sushi Rito. This is a hybrid that surfaced in San Francisco and Los Angeles. It's a cross between sushi and a burrito. Only in America. Or Japexico. If for some reason Japan and Mexico decide to merge. 
Yeah, geographically difficult to accomplish. But... <laughs> well, the way the Earth's been acting, not an impossible no. thought. So I visited Yo Pradiato. He's the owner of a burrito truck called Yogasaki here in L.A., and I asked him what's actually in a sushi burrito. You got spicy tuna, crab meat, avocado, cucumber, and shrimp tempura inside, wrapped with soy paper. And we were like, whoa, okay, that's good. <laughs> so it's so. Burritos are these really big food items, and sushi-grade fish is kind of expensive. How can you afford to sell these things for seven bucks? Well, to be honest with you, my math is sucks. What do you mean your math sucks? I don't really count it too much because for me as a chef, you know, being able to create a smile in, the, in my customer face while they're enjoying my food is like a blessing for me. Well, I'm ready to try one. While you're getting it ready, I am going to go to talk to some of your customers in line. So can I get your name? Sure. It's Zach Brooks. So Zach, you have to admit this is a pretty jarring juxtaposition, right? Does jarring mean awesome? I, when I heard about this, I was like, I mean, how could that be bad? Well, I could tell you. Um, <laughs> like, sushi is generally like an elegant, kind of sophisticated meal, and a burrito is like a big, messy gut bomb. I mean, isn't the collision of these two cultures a little bit galling? It's actually amazing. You can either get eel or tempura. But isn't, I mean, just even that idea of like a big burrito filled with eel, that sounds almost like a nightmare. No, do you, what do you feel like that would be biting into someone's arm? If those are nightmares, then I welcome Freddy Krueger into my life. This thing, I'm going to make you take a bite of it. Are you- well, I've actually got one waiting for me, but thanks. And uh, thanks for talking to me. All right, I'm waiting for the food. Oh, my goodness. What is that? Be your appetizer. Okay, this is spicy tuna on top of Doritos chips <laughs> with avocado and some eel sauce. Is that something you sell here? Yep. And then what do we have there? It's called Jogasaki Burrito Number 1. Okay, so this is your signature sushi burrito. Yes, it is. What I have inside is spicy tuna combined with crab meat, avocado and cucumber, and barbecue eel. All right, I'm going to have to go for it, so hold on for a second. Mmm. It's really, it's really good. I, I have to be honest with you. I wanted to think it was just a gimmick, but this is actually pretty delightful. Thank you, Judge. <laughs> So, Brendan, my worry is if this thing catches on, uh-huh. the world already has these fragile fish stocks, and they're just going to collapse. We cannot <laughs> afford that much fish to come out of the sea. That's a good point. Did we learn nothing from the saber-toothed tiger taco? Our hunger is bringing the world to the it knows brink. no bounds. <laughs> anyway, this brings us to the dessert portion of our menu, namely brownies made with a special ingredient. Love, right? Ah, uh, no <laughs> Marijuana. Oh. <laughs> uh, here in California, of course, medical marijuana is legal, and at dispensaries here, patients can buy it in edible form, which made us wonder, who cooks that stuff, and what is it like to cook with weed? So I spoke to Melanie Lusk. She's the owner of Red Eye Bakery. Get that, everybody? Yes. <laughs> who actually bakes edibles for a few dispensaries, and she doesn't just make brownies. And I started making cookies and pretty much anything. You know, I've made, like, little cheesecakes before and stuff like that as well. Are you using marijuana as flavor enhancer or is your job to sort of mask the flavor? I mask the flavor. I put like extra chocolate syrup and I think it kind of has like an earthy taste to it. So you don't really want that in something like a brownie. If you were, you know, maybe... I was just going to say mushrooms are earthy, but uh, yes, you don't get mushroom brownies. you don't get mushroom brownies. Exactly. Maybe if you're making pasta sauce, but in a cookie, you don't really want that. This food you're making is a delivery system for medication. Does that change the way you cook? Uh, The only thing I do differently is that I add butter instead of oil because it has a higher fat content. THC sticks to the fat 
So the more fat, the like better potency. You're making a product for health, but you're sort of making it less healthy by putting more butter in it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on if your concern is high cholesterol. I probably wouldn't eat my brownies. And I was always, when I worked at the dispensary, I got to work hands-on with the patients. And that was a big concern of theirs. So I started making extra strength mini edibles. So they'd have higher concentration of the active ingredient, shall we say, but a little less fat. Exactly. Um, do you have a background in cooking? You know, I've just always loved to cook. My mom was a really bad cook, and I didn't like bad food, so immediately I had to decide I was going to cook on my own. Is she aware of what you're doing? Yeah, my whole family knows. My mom actually has multiple sclerosis and um, eats my brownies from time to time. Wow. Food is kind of the ultimate way to sort of sustain your family, and now you've got this sort of like extra level of sustaining. Definitely. And actually, for a little while, my brother and my sister-in-law were struggling, and she started coming over and baking for me. So it's also helped my brother pay his bills, too. Speaking of baking, how many times a day do people make that pun? <laughs> All the time, actually. And what's something that's funny is if I ever try and bake, everybody asks me first, is this medicated? And I'm like, no, of course it's not medicated. Why would I bring medicated cupcakes to a party? There are some parties where that would be welcome. But, you know, Fourth of July with the family, I usually don't bring medicated cupcakes. You know, Rico, that is kind of a great way to get out of cooking at holiday dinners. You know what I mean? <laughs> Become known as the marijuana chef. That's right. You know what? Let us do Thanksgiving again this year. No, it's okay. Just don't bring anything. And the baker will come And the baker and that's the Dinner Party download for this week, folks. Special thanks to Jackson Musker and Charlton Thorpe. Yes. And heads up, next week's show will be a relevant rerun. A relevant rerun? Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> you like that? These days? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, we will be tidying you over with a repeat episode because we're going to be in the DPD laboratories experimenting with making a longer version of this program. And if you have any ideas for that, please contact us. Yes, and speaking of contacting us, we are now part of APM's public insight network that is a social media tool that lets listeners like you help public radio report the news learn more about that at our website dinnerpartydownload.org and now we leave you with one for the road a song to listen to on your way to or returning from this weekend's dinner parties this one was written by moi and recorded on a patio moi is french for brendan <laughs> coming out on an album never it's called my appetites appropriate no uh bon appetites First of all, I love you like a sage leaf cut Where the veins meet the aroma A symphony, savory and then sweet swoon Like a pork tenderloin cut into a dozen coins Coated with fennel seeds then roasted perfectly glass of wine that hits and you start to shine a warm concierge to escort you beyond your cares This is my way of saying You're a little fish I like to lay You're a little bird I like to roast Combines with the rust colored tea. And now I'm adding cream 
Captain E, you give me salt and then the sweet cold explosion wrapped in the ocean. Sugar on my Turkish delight Yeah, and I don't 